This is Strange Assembly episode 218. Crap. I'm Chris Stevenson, and here with me today is Jay Earl. Hello. This is Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. We are here today to talk about the Crab Clan in the upcoming Legend of the Five Rings LCG from Fantasy Flight. So I was wondering, Jay, we've we've really been focusing these things on what exactly was in the previews and in the story. Do you think we should, you know, maybe not assume that everyone who's listening knows all of the prehistory of Roke again, or a lot of it, and actually say, who are the Crab Clan, or... or Well, that probably wouldn't be a bad idea, just to, yeah, ease the newer viewers into who the Crab are. Though, you know, talking about the story will give give a good idea of who they are and what they are like. Yeah, so the the crab are the defenders of the wall. They are the clan that is very military, but not in a you know traditional samurai sort of way, but in a we stand on this big giant wall and defend the rest of Rokugan, Rokugan from the ravening hordes of the Shadowlands. Right, you know the sort of corrupt evil. They're not the, we break all of your stuff of the Lion Clan. They're the, you're going to break on us, people. Yes, yes. And that plays out in the card game by them having lots of cards that are oriented on, on defense. The primary family of the Crab is the Hida. Then they also have the Haruma, who are scouts. The Kayao, who do siege engines. The Yasuki, who are in charge of going back, who are merchants, right? They go back to the rest of the Empire to try to get the resources that the Crab need to continue fighting the Shadowlands. And then the Kuni, who are, I think, in charge of making sure that the Crab end up becoming corrupted anyway by doing stupid experiments on Shadowlands monsters? Their job is to be creepy and stand in the back corner and cackle, yeah. Yes, well, you just you just have to hope that they're creepy in a good way. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, they are also responsible, last I checked, for fixing missing limbs and stapling children to banners. Yes, well, that hasn't happened yet and may never happen. Right, we are set in pre-Scorpion clan coup, if there ever is a Scorpion clan coup, which I'm guessing there won't be, but who knows. Right, it's going to be Crab clan coup, so we can call it CCC. <laughs> well, that was the Crab clan coup is just the clan war. I mean, like, yeah, well. So, the standard timeline, for anyone not familiar with it, or like the classic L5R timeline, was that there was a Scorpion clan coup where the Scorpion clan champion, for reasons some better than others, decides that the the weak Hante Emperor on the throne is not cutting it for Rokugan and tries to stage a coup. They mostly ends up being them versus all of the other clans, and they lose, and the clan gets disbanded. And that has happened before the original game launch. That's like backstory. But it, has, it leaves the Empire greatly weakened, 
the Crab Clan. And this is, it's kind of interesting because, of course, if, if you're starting classic L5R at the beginning, this is the first introduction you have to the Clan, Crab Clan. The Crab Clan are really the, the primary villains at the start of the original classic L5R storyline because they have abandoned their ancient duty and allied with the Shadowlands, including, as you noted, Jay, nailing one of Hida, the Kasada, the Crab Clan champion's children to a banner. You know, to, as a sacrifice to Fu Lang, the big evil god of the setting. Right now, in this setting, all of Hidaka, so Hidakasada is still the Crab Clan champion, and he's a beat stick. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and so we see this in the fiction Dark Hands of Heaven, where we, we get all this. So the right Hidakasada is still the Crab Clan champion, which I, I, we already knew because we'd seen his yeah. picture, and he's a very it's a very distinctive helmet, right? It's a very distinctive uh, wardrobe the guy wears. And he has three children. There's Hida Sukune, the one who got uh, nailed to a banner in Classic L5R. There's uh, Hida Yakomo, who's was and apparently still is a giant jerk. Well, yes, but he's the son, so we forget about that. Yes, he did eventually end up becoming the <laughs> son, although... As a radically transformed, I mean, he also at one point had it, yeah, as you also alluded to, I believe, Jay, at one point he also had an Oni arm. So yeah, he did. <laughs> he was also a Naga for a while. <laughs> yes, because he, he died and then he came back to life and he was included with the Naga stronghold, so yes. There's there's all sorts of weird past, yeah. Yeah, I was, you're, you're getting into the future, I wasn't really worried about that. The future, you know. No, but the future's so much funnier. <laughs> yeah, and then Hida Oushi, who I think already has a much more prominent role. It, se- it seems like she's going to have a more prominent role this time around early on than she did yeah, in I mean, Classic L5R. I, feel, I, I might be misrecalling. I feel like in Classic L5R, it took longer for her to... Like, she didn't really come into her own as a character as much until, like, Yakomo was kind of out of the way. Yeah, I, I don't really remember much of Oishi's story before the the fiction where she got married. Yes, yes. Which is a... One of the classics. What is that, it? Oh, what is that? The Little Wife? I, that sounds right, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's one of those... That's actually a pretty standard, I guess, turn on this sort of thing now, right? They've got a bunch of guys coming in to, like, f- battle each other for the right to marry her, and she enters into the competition herself and wins, right? Right, right. All a brave, just fewer bear mothers. <laughs> yes. Uh... <laughs> but but the, part of the reason I, I went through the, the sort of original classic L5R history is we, the last episode we did was Dragon, and... We mentioned this in the Dragon episode, like it's in the story, but I did not really think about the the kind of import for it, and it might be the biggest difference that we've seen in the story so far and how it might play out. And it it didn't seem like it was that weird at the time because it's something that happens in classic classic L5R, but it's happening sooner now, it seems, which makes it much more different. So. In the classic L5R story, Bayushi Shoju, the champion of the Scorpion clan, before he stages the coup, he goes to Tagashi Yakuni because 
in classic L5R, and we don't know if this is the case now, right? In classic L5R, the Dragon Clan champion is actually really the Kami Tagashi, the original founding god, just in disguise. Also, he is omniscient so long as he doesn't actually do anything. Yes. He cannot see the consequences of his own actions, so there's an awful lot of long-range planning and trying to nudge other people to do things and only stepping in as a last resort. But the Scorpion champion, not just Choju, but historically the Scorpion champion knows that the Dragon Clan champion is really Tagashi because he married a Scorpion and then had a kid and then like she... So that's how the, the Scorpion clan knows about it. But Bayushi Choju goes to Yakuni and basically tells him what he's going to do and Yakuni does nothing and does not try to dissuade Choju and Choju takes this as okay, that's if, if Tagashi is not telling me not to, it must be a good idea. And so he goes and does the does the Scorpion Clan coup and fails, but then also sets because this is how yeah, this is how Tagashi works, but that also then sets things up so that certain other things are ha- able to happen later, which sets up the second day of Thunder where Fulang is defeated. You know, where the big evil god is defeated. But at that time, the dragon were extremely drawn in. Like, literally, if you look at the old Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game box set for Otis and Uchi, I believe, which which is set right before the Scorpion Clan coup, I believe there is one Dragon Clan character there. Other clans would have these massive delegations, and I think there's just one guy there for the dragon. That's their presence in Odisiduchi at the time of the Scorpion Clan coup. Uh, <laughs> but what happens later in classic L5R is that other things happen in the interim. The former Lion Champion and that Tatori goes to Tagashi, and Tagashi basically puts at his disposal the entire army of the Dragon Clan. Like, here, you can have them go do your awesome things. And so it's really at that point, after, not after the Scorpion Clan coup, but after the Clan War has started, that the Dragon really come out of the mountains in mass. Well, at the end of the Dragon Fiction, it seems like that's going to happen now, right? Tagashi said something big is coming. You need to send our people out there. We don't know what it is or what exactly they're doing, but the entire dragon clan, like this massive, not massive is an exaggeration. The dragon clan's not that big, but you know, a significant dragon clan force coming down out of the mountains. That's a big plot difference as yeah. far as what's going to happen. If there's, if there's a, something like a scorpion clan coup, there will be no dragon clan hiding up in the mountains just watching it. Uh, or they might be opposing They'll be doing it. like, like the crab and sitting outside the city of Odosuduchi watching it. Well, that is, that is also a possibility. Yeah. So in classic L5R, the crab army sort of came up to the edge of the battlefield and Hida Kisada, and again, remember that the crab are the villains. At the beginning of L5R. I mean, Hida, if you, especially look, go back and look at the Way of the Crab, the, right, the original Way of Books in the first edition of the RPG. They're, they're amazing. But if you look at the write-ups of Kisada and Yakomo, they're just jerks. I mean, they're just terrible human beings. Not just in the normal Rokugani, we kill people all the time. A peasant class. All these other, like, sort of ancient feudal sort of thing problems. They're just, bad people 
Sukune is not respected by his father, even though he's a brilliant military commander, because he's not big and strong, which is why he's the one who gets nailed to the banner. Because, you know, who cares about him? He's, he's the weakest one. Yeah, he's, I mean, literally, it's like he's not physically strong, so who cares? Not a nice guy. So the crab kind of, the crab think that, you know, the Hante, and they're not wrong, that the Hante Emperor at this point is weak. And maybe he's not that great at his job. And they they bring their army up to Otisanuchi, the imperial capital, see what's going on with this coup thing. And the story is basically like the scorpions see them and the scorpions send a messenger out to Kasato being like, come on, help us. We can we can do this thing and put a better emperor. And Kasato's response is, it's kind of nonsensical in some ways, but it's supposed to be this big cool moment. He's like, well... I was maybe going to help you, but if you had to ask for my help, then you don't deserve it. So I'm going to go home now and your coup will fail. Yeah. Which is really just terrible strategy, tactics, whatever you want to label that. I mean, (laughs) that's very, you know, high school jock level thinking. (laughs) Yeah. I. You know what? Instead of helping you, I'm going to go back, be grumpy for another five years, and then ally with the Shadowlands and launch my own invasion. That'll work out well. I'm guessing we're not going to see that. Anything like that? I mean, I I guess I think they're going to change it up. Of course, they also I thought they were going to change up the cast more than they have. So you know, I uh, what do I know? I mean, we still, as far as I know, have not seen anything about Phoenix or Unicorn leadership. So we well, we've been told who the Unicorn Clan champion is. I don't remember how to pronounce her name, but no. we've been told who it is. We were also told that Ujimitsu was the Phoenix Clan champion, although we then saw the Shiba Sukune stuff that really made it seem like she was the Clan champion. Although, on that tangent, I'm still holding out hope that what's going on is she is our five drop, and Phoenix Clan champion will be in a non-unique like three or four cod drop. Just because it'd be hilarious. Yeah... I, it's one of those, I'm not actually expecting it, that would be crazy, but it would be hilarious. Just the fact that you're talking about the most prominent card for the clan and your launch of the product, and Fantasy Flight didn't buy L5R because they just wanted, they wanted to recapture the existing L5R player base. They bought L5R because, I'm guessing in part because Steve Horvath loves L5R, but (laughs) because they thought that they could expand it. I mean, did you notice that on the Fantasy Flight Games products section, Legend of the Five Rings is now actually its own property? Oh, is it? Nice. Yeah, I mean, it. it, it nothing else has changed because there's still just the one Legend of the Five Rings game so far. Although, I'm hoping, crossing my fingers for more to be announced at Gen Con. I'm sure there will be, yes. Yeah, you've got Game of Thrones, Android, Arkham Horror Files, Runebound, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, and it used to be those six and other, and now Legend of the Five Rings is also on there. So, does it mean anything really whatsoever? No. No. But it's still cool. It's still cool. Yeah. So, did you did you have any other, now, now that we've spent a while kind of bringing people up to speed on the crab and how things may or may not be different from how they used to be, do you have any thoughts on the Dark Hands of Heaven, which was the the name of the crab fiction? So I really liked this fiction. I think it's one of the better ones that they've released, you know, of the four. I do feel like 
it did a good job of getting into Casada's head, sort of in a way, and portraying him in a way that I wish they had managed to pull off in a similar way as as they for Tatori. That I felt Casada here really came off as the tactical, rational mind that Tatori should be. Casada, I mean, I guess not necessarily, but. Casada's in a much different place in his life than oh, Tatori yeah. is, and maybe in a much different place as a character. It's possible that we'll see Casada grow and develop as a character. It's also possible that Casada just kind of is what he is, and he's not someone who's planned to really change or have character development, whereas Tatori clearly is. Tatori has clearly got some growing up to do or growing into his role. Uh, whereas Casada has been filling that thing for a long time. He has. Yeah. I mean, I think I feel like we're, we may get a lot of the family interplay there though. You got to see the different attitudes of, uh, Yakoma and Sukune and Aoshi and yeah, Yakoma is truly unsufferable. Yes. <laughs> so another thing I really thought was interesting about this fiction is, we're now far enough in that I would say one of the themes we are getting with these initial fictions is what are the flaws of the clan champions? From Hotoru, who is young and naive and not quite sure of herself, to Tatori's analysis paralysis into inaction. I thought it was really interesting that I came away from this fiction with the Kasada's flaw is no one can really measure up to his standards, and his fear is when he goes, the clan, the crab are done, that without him, they will fall apart. Yeah, there's definitely a sense of, like, we're holding on, but not by a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, they made a point of emphasizing that the wall is a really big deal because kind of obvious right it's a big deal because it keeps the shadowland monsters on the other side but like it's it's literally a big deal if anything shadowlands gets through the wall at all because even if you immediately kill them you may have tainted one more piece of crablands which is then lost forever uh, and they made a point about how the wall is not in good repair everywhere and you know, a point that, you know, at the end where they see the two different piles of bodies burning and and one of them is a pile of bodies outside the wall and one of them is a pile of bodies inside the wall. It, you know, so, it, you know, even in this fiction, the sh- some, some number of Shadowlands things broke through and the crab may have lost another piece of their land. Like, they were, they were thoroughly victorious in this fiction, but you know, who knows down the line. Oh, I interpreted that it was on the other side of the wall they're burning all the Shadowlands, and on their side of the wall they're burning all their own casualties. Hmm. But I mean, that's, it's not the hey, our side got tainted and we lost, but it is, you know, we we lost enough in this uh, one attack that we have a bonfire to rival the one of our enemies. Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, because it said, following the plumes of dark smoke on both sides of the wall, felled, fed by the bodies of enemy and ally alike. So yeah, I guess I had taken that as each would have been a pile of 
bodies from both sides because they don't it seemed like they made a distinction some of the depending on how badly they got corrupted before they died they would be burned or not right but yes the rose of the dead neatest pieces on a game board hmm. but the the crab do apparently have some way to get resources from the other clans although it may work better in the card game than it does in the story yeah Levy, oh man, that is that is one of those cards that I see will make people want, even with its three influence costs, will make want, people want to bring Crab in as their ally for certain, for certain decks. They won't actually do that, I don't think, but it'll make them want to, yeah? Yes. I didn't say they would do it, I said they will want to. Yeah, I, I did notice that, and we'll get to it a little bit more later, but the off-the-top-of-my-head... The two crab cards that made me go, ooh, I'd want that in my deck, were both threes. Well, yes, that does definitely become the problem. Yeah, well, because that's that has not been the case with the other clans. I mean, there have been some other ones and twos in other clans who are like, ooh, but if you put a place out of a three in, that is 90% that's of it. your influence. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I don't think that as good as Levy is, I don't think Levy is the one that I'd bring in if I was going to bring one of those two threes in. But... So Levy is, it's free, it's an event, you play it, and your opponent either gives you a fate or gives you an honor. We, we haven't seen the rules, but I'm pretty sure by the way I'm reading that that unlike a lot of the things that they word in, the Fantasy Flight is worded in their other games, where you're given a choice and you can choose a null effect, I'm pretty sure the wording of this, you can't choose, oh, I'm sorry, I'm out of fate, have my no fate. You cannot. The, uh... Right. If, if you have no fate, you have to lose the honor. Yes. Yeah. They they asked this because there was another card that was like bow or dishonor the guy opponent chooses, and so mm. the question was, well, if they're already dishonored, can they just choose dishonor again? And they, so they said in the L five R live, in one of the L five R lives, that if you have a choice, and one choice would be essentially a nullity, you have to make the other choice. Can they go tell that to the Destiny rules people, please? Um, <laughs> yes, right, there's like but... three or four cards in Destiny that are similarly give your opponent a choice and they've ruled, oh yeah, you can totally choose to not do anything. Yeah, well, different different strokes for different folks. I saw that they, they, are, they issued some errata on Destiny cards. They have, yeah. Yeah, it's always weird how they like, they issue the errata in an FAQ. I always thought that was a... Kind of backdoor place to look up, like where, where? Oh, the, the the FAQ has a whole list of errata in it. I mean, for Destiny, it's just like two cards now, but there are some of the games where there's a a big long list of them. Yeah, no, if they did not like mark all of the changes in red, that would be so much more obnoxious too. <laughs> yeah. While we're talking about Fantasy Flight Star Wars things, they did announce the third Force Pack of Ooh, the Alliances cycle. So. I still don't think that the Star Wars LCG is going to survive. I, I wish it would, but I, my, my guess is it's not. But at least I think this means they're going to finish out the the cycle mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Before I had to go back to Levy, was there anything else we wanted to hit in the the story? We have our first dead unique character. We have a character who died in this fiction who also gets a card, so we can officially shush anyone who suggests that like they shouldn't have cards of dead people or like they shouldn't be legal when people have died which is a terrible idea no yeah 
And I am glad that they have followed an AEG's tradition of killing people before their card has been released. <laughs> yes, I mean, they, they killed her before her card had even been previewed. <laughs> yeah. Squish. Although her artwork had been previewed, which, yeah. Yes, she was the one who everybody looked at and said, it's a female crab with like with the hammer. It must be Oushi. No. No. Actually, there's no. there's lots of... There was lots and lots of name characters, including Ayushi, Oushi, and Sukune, and Yakomo, and then tons of people from other clans left for them to load up in those in those dynasty packs. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, because we get like for here, we get. Have we gotten in any of the previews so far, other than the clan champion? Have we gotten a unique who's someone who we would have known from classic L5R? I believe only if you're going to pull a technicality that was not the crane unique in one of the RPG splat books. Uh, yeah, I have no recollection. <laughs> super deep cut, but I, I seem to recall somebody saying that the crane unique was out of one of the RPG books, and I don't remember which one now. Okay, but even so, clearly not a big character, no. right? There, yeah, no, there, definitely not. Yeah, there was no, oh, and here's a posthumous copy of the Crane Clan Emerald Champion for you. Or th- there's lots of people that we see in the fictions that we're not seeing cards of yet. That mm-hmm. is uh, certainly the case. I guess we didn't, we saw the daimyo of all the crab families. I don't know if we really learned anything much about them, except that they exist and they have names. Yeah, they have names, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, and Kuniori is, uh, doing something, I mean, that not necessarily sinister things with, uh, the Shadowlands creatures, because that's something that the Kuni actually have to do, is study the Shadowlands creatures so they could figure out how to kill them. But that wasn't the vibe I got. Maybe it's just because I know what happened with Kuniori last time, but still. Right. Yeah, no, that's just Yori being generally creepy. That is not necessarily that he's evil. It's not <laughs> unevil, but, you know. <laughs> he wasn't really evil at, at this stage in classic L5R, right? No, it was a few no. years down the road where he... He started twirling his mustache. <laughs> yes. Now yes. he just has a, a a crazy big mustache. He hasn't yet started twirling yet. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, I, I think that was a a solid story. Uh, it definitely captured, I think what it is you want to capture about the crab. It seemed to set up what will likely be the primary crab characters going forward in the story. Cause I, unlike say the lion story where I felt like some of the characters are just like, let's just give you a bullet list of characters who rapid like, fire name drop. Look at all of these people who have names. Yeah, in this one, you you saw all those people doing things, right? You yeah. saw Casada's kids participating in the conversation. You saw the family daimyos doing something, not just, you know, hanging out in a platoon. Right. It's not just, you know, and Toku, Toku was there too. It's, hey, Toku, go actually do your job, get eaten by an Oni. So that made me feel more like these are characters we will see again, at least as least kids, whereas, I don't know, does the fact that we saw Kitsu Motsu in a, Motsu in a platoon somewhere have anything to do with whether or not he's going to really do anything in the story? Uh, didn't feel like it. I mean, he might, no. but 
Who knows? But to go back to Levy, I mean, the, the biggest thing about Levy to me is that I, I, I just like sharp eye on anything that's a zero cost fate card or conflict card. Yes. You have so little money. Mm. And this can potentially give you some more. Yes. I, I mean, it's rare that your opponent would ever have to give you more, but I suspect you're much more likely to get honor out of it than you are to get a fate. Yeah, I mean, unless you're playing against an honor deck, the crab dishonor deck comes together and they're dragging you down. <laughs> Other than that, yeah, I, I suspect you're going to get the, the honor. I don't think there's going to be a Suki dishonor uh, out of the core box. I No. I would not be surprised if a year from now that is a janky but functional deck and two years from now it wins <laughs> major tournaments. I kind of would be surprised. The Yasuki really aren't... Like, when you have that thing when you've been playing L5R for years and years and years, and the, they have to constantly generate new deck types and new things to do that, the Yasuki are really an, an odd bird in the mm-hmm. Crab Clan. They don't really directly fit in with the primary themes of the clan. That doesn't mean they don't play an important role in the story, but they're, you really have to build their own thing. Yeah. I mean, they, and the LCGs produce so many fewer cards than a CCC CCG does. It's not like you can just, you know, release an expansion and all at once you get six new characters that are all in the same theme, and then a stronghold for that theme, and then it's maybe gung ho right from the beginning. Like you can, it, for you right now, if you've basically got zero Yasuki Dishonor characters, for example, they would have. I mean, you could have one in every single Dynasty pack, and I think under normal circumstances, I don't think that there will be more than one character per clan per Dynasty pack. Right, because yeah. the Dynasty Pact has 20 cards, that's... Well, I would not be surprised if we get one character for every clan, and then one clan gets a unique. As a max, how many mm. cards? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying that's how it is, I'm saying that that is the max that I would expect, is a for... A clan to get once a cycle a unique and a non-unique. So wow. in the course of a what six-pack cycle, you might get seven cards, seven personalities. I think they might be unique more often than that, but I mean, I I think that they're because you want to have a little bit more splash. I I think mm-hmm. in a dynasty pack. So I my guess would be that. There will be at least two, maybe three uniques, just from a marketing perspective, or, or I don't know, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Uh, I'm, I'm, of course, maybe I'm wrong. God only knows. I, I suspect, yeah. but but yeah, still that would mean if like if there were th- three is maybe too many. I mean, if there were two each, that would still be like you get one or two over a six card cycle. But but even setting aside unique or not, you're still you're getting about six. Maybe you get seven mm-hmm. characters over a six-month period. Yes. In this game, your dynasty deck is going to be 30-plus characters, right? You're going to 
if you took a year, because the Yusuke, a Yusuke Dishonored theme feels like it would be so different from standard crab stuff. Although um, maybe maybe I'm overstating the difference. Yeah, I think that's the the, the flaw is a crab. You've got Levy, you've got the Watch Commander, you've already got a couple of inklings of some Dishonor stuff they can do. Presumably there will be Scorpion cards they can pull in to do the Dishonor, and really what it will be is the Crab are really good at defense, and they will it will just be a deck that will make it, I'm not going to lose provinces, I'm going to put you on a Dishonor clock, come at me. Come at me, bro. Yeah. So, if that's what the deck looks like, with a year's worth of packs, that could see enough support to be a functional, not super strong, but functional deck. And also, Watch Commander, that guy is bonkers. He feels bonkers to me. That's the card I'm talking about when I say, if I could put one crab card in, plus one military, plus one politics for one... And while that character is in a battle, your opponent loses an honor every time they play a card? I mean, maybe, I guess that's only two or three honor. Probably, I mean, people aren't spamming that many. It's not every time they take an action. But still, that seems really strong. It's also a follower. So Mm -hmm. there are follower attachments still. Ooh. I hate this when people... I had somehow managed to avoid noticing this. Did you notice that the sword is still there on the attachment cards? Or the sword (laughs) is back? Uh, I had this whole thing, people who have not been listening to ever, when when AEG first changed to like their most modern card frames, the item card type had at the bottom of the art box this big honking sword as part of the frame that just massively intruded into the art, and I hated it. And they finally got rid of it right near the end. And the Fantasy Flight one is much, much less obtrusive. Yes, I hadn't even noticed until you pointed it out. I literally had not noticed it either until someone pointed out, and now I can't not notice it. Why? Why is it there? It's obviously much less of a problem than the AEG one was, which was just Mm -hmm. glaring. But, it's a... It might be a spell or a philosophy or a white. No, get rid of it. There's also a lot more room for art on these cards uh, than the old L5R cards. But And then just to add to the list of cards that seem pretty interesting but have a three influence requirement is the Mountain Does Not Fall, which is a uh, it's a technique, literally. It's an RPG technique for the, uh, <laughs> the, the Hidabushi. For one fate, it lets you prevent one of your defending characters from bowing, which is really nice. Because, I mean, that's nothing like bowing or straightening somebody built into the economy of the game, right? Essentially, you when you buy a character, you get one use of them. And then for every fate you put on them, you get another use of them. So anything that lets you straighten a character... Or in this case, not bow, yeah. Or not bow is kind of like getting an extra turn out of that character. If I put three fate on a character, I get four conflicts out of that character. Well, the mountain does not fall. It's still the same ratio, right? I'm still paying one fate and getting one turn. 
but normally when I pay more fate, the extra turn that I get is down the line somewhere. Whereas with this, I get an extra turn at the most important point in time, right now, and I get it as a surprise. And the three, they're all threes. They're all threes. Wow, I, these have really good cards. I do not want to make the crab my one ally. At least not based on what we've seen so far. And we have seen less of the crab than anyone else that's been spoiled. We have. So what else did, did you want to check in on with the crab previews? Crab sacrificing their own characters all over the place? So I told you, Kuniyori, he's already yeah. running the clan. <laughs> <laughs> he is, yeah. I do like the the sacrifice thing is actually much stronger than most people are realizing. Uh, as somebody pointed out, because of the mono no owari stuff, once a guy has no fate and is bowed, they're pretty much not any good to you. With the sacrifice stuff, oh, what's that? Hita Bob is bowed and at home and has as out of fate and is gonna die and be worthless to anime. Let's turn him into plus 18 military strength over in this battle and crush your province. <laughs> or, you know, whatever. Yes, because it, it, it doesn't, it, unless the card says so, it doesn't have to be a straight character, straightened character. It doesn't have to be a character at the battle. It doesn't, funeral pyre, the, the holding, it's action, sacrifice a character, draw a card. And you can look at that, and yeah, and the sort of easy response would be is like, what? sacrifice a character to draw a card that's a terrible deal why would i sacrifice one of these characters i've already paid for and it's like well yeah because they have no fate on them and they're bowed and they were already in a conflict this turn <laughs> yeah <laughs> pretty much yeah they're already dead <laughs> yeah they're done let's kill them a few minutes early and get some cards out of it now i still look at them and look at all the sacrifice and be like i'd like somebody cheaper just to go with that you know yeah, no. I feel much better throwing away my one-cost guy with no fate on him than my Hina Kasada, even though he has no fate on him. You also just have more opportunities, right? If, you, if you're if you spamming out a bunch of little guys, you're mm -hmm. much more likely to have some pud who has run out of fate. And, I would think, it starts to make much more sense to maybe knowing that you have these sacrifice cards, just buy a few more guys and not putting any fate on them. Yeah. It's really painful if you buy a character who costs three or four fate and you don't put any more fate on them. You're paying three or four to get that character for a turn. But if you're paying one for a character to get them for a turn, that's not that big a deal. And, and right, ex extra fate is is then doubly efficient on stronger characters because you're now paying one fate for an extra turn of Hita Kasada instead of one fate for an extra turn of Hita Guardian or whatever. Mm. Which is the card I would really like to see. We see this Hita Guardian in the splash. It's a character who costs one, is a 1-1, one -one, but we cannot see the text box. But I think that's, that's the only one-cost character we saw. There's a couple of twos and then it but like a bunch of threes and such. Yeah, they've definitely spoiled the higher cost things. Although, was it a lion or was it a crab that we've already seen that's a zero coster? No, I don't remember. It was, I don't remember seeing a crab. Okay, must have been a lion. Or was that the eager scout? 
Yes, that sounds right. But yeah, they they have a number of things that sacrifice. You have Vengeful Berserker who feeds off of the sacrifice, starts with the three military, doubles every single time. You sacrifice somebody. Some of the other things that you get, Hida Tomonatsu, who's the character who dies, she can sacrifice herself after she wins on defense to effectively kill an enemy character. Yeah. That's situational, but that can be very potent, right? If you if you buy Hida Tomonatsu and you actually have fate on her, you start to feel like less good about that trade. But you start to feel really excited if you're like, oh, my Hida Tomonatsu with no fate is going to send your clan champion back to the top of the deck. Although uh, you have to have actually won the conflict then. But yeah. Also, it's non-unique, thankfully. But Oh, yeah, probably, that's right. Good point. You'll, you'll probably come to hate her because she seems perfect to annoy dragon players. Yes, because it gets rid of the character. It doesn't matter what their cost is. It doesn't matter what their fate is. It doesn't matter if they have attachments. Mm-hmm. They are removed to the top of the deck. Bye-bye. And all you have to, you have to win a conflict as a defender, which really is what the crab do, right? Yeah. I mean... Look at the Haruma Yojimbo. A 4-3 for 2. Cannot declare as an attacker. Good lord. She seems good. I hope we get Yojimbo who are, you know, awesome like that. No, your Yojimbo is only a 4-1. Sorry. Your Yojimbo also has a more stringent restriction than she does. Than the Haruma Yojimbo does. Did you notice that? The... The Hiruma Yojimbo cannot be declared as an attacker, whereas the Phoenix one could not participate in a conflict as the attacker. So, move in will not work. I yeah, I think you could move the Hiruma Yojimbo in, assuming that this isn't the result of some like slightly out of date text going up on on one of these. But they they have a lot of stuff on defense. The Hiruma Ambusher. He's a conflict card. You play him out of your hand. Two, two for two. You pick one of your opponent's characters, and they can't take the the actions on that the triggered abilities. I guess it is. That's the one thing I don't like about Casada. Felt like there was way too much jargon in his text. <laughs> yeah, he is quite the beatstick, nonetheless. His text is: if you haven't lost a conflict yet, which means this always works in the first conflict. Mm-hmm. It cancels the effects of the first action ability your opponent triggers from a card during each conflict. So I'm assuming that action, since ability refers to all the text in the text box on a card, right? That's all abilities. So an action ability, I presume, is an ability that is... Is that specifically an ability preceded by the action keyword? As opposed to like a reaction or no, yeah, or just a, a static, whatever, whatever we call the not activated things. That would be my assumption. Yeah. Well, I also have to get used to triggering being used instead of playing or activating an ability because I'm used to triggers being things that like happen from static text. Mm-hmm. You know, a card that says, like, every time one of your cards is destroyed, gain an honor. Right? I'm used to thinking of that as being triggered 
then when it happens, but that's not what triggered means in this game. Triggering an ability is what we would, in many games, one would call activating an ability. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure why why there's that deviation, because I, I think that talking about activating abilities is fairly standard CCG terminology, whereas triggering is usually used in a different context in, in the cu- customizable card game field, but still. So yeah, Kasada costs five, like all the other clan champions. His stats add up to nine, like two of the other clan champions do, and Yakuti's added up to ten. He is a 7-2, so that's a lot of military right there. Yes. But zero glory, so does not have to worry about getting dishonored. Yeah. Doesn't have to worry about being dishonored. Also, does not care about being honored. Does not care at all. So an, an honored Tori will beat Kasada, but a dishonored Tori will Ooh. get the living daylights crushed out of him. <laughs> Hi, I am Akoto Tori, honorable champion of the Lion Clan. I am a 9-3. And then tomorrow, I am Tatori the Ronin, and I come into play dishonored, so I'm a, a 3-0. Sad. That's why I will react to Honorable Seppuku, so instead of losing the five, I will gain nine. Mwahahaha. <laughs> Hooray, old school, really bad combos. <laughs> uh, well, that was when they did weird stuff, too, that I thankfully fantasy not to do, right? Because that is when AEG would every once in a while print a new version of the same character that was an MRP. Yeah. Right? So in Imperial Edition, which was set immediately before the Scorpion, it was like, I don't know, but Akoto Akoto Tatori was dishonored as a result of things that took place during the Scorpion Clan coup. But Mm -hmm. the Imperial Edition version of the card, if I'm recalling correctly, was still the Lion Clan champion, super honorable, Lion Clan border, all that stuff. And then the next time they printed the base set, he was just Tatori. And he came into play Dishonorable, and he was a Ronin. But it wasn't a different card. You could no longer play with Lion Clan Katori because it was the same card, so it was an MRP. Oh, AEG. Which is weird. Yeah, it's weird. They And sometimes they... What, what else? What was the other weird thing they do? Like, I have a... I think they had some of the learn to play products was like the Naga Storm Miramoto Mountain that has I think some simplified versions of existing cards mm-hmm. but then they're not MRPs. No. So so I have like my original Hitomi XP3 and then if I'm remembering the XP number right and then there's like the Hitomi XP3 who's from the learn to play set that her ability is super long because it steals a character and mm-hmm. that part goes away. And so under normal sorts of circumstances, you would think, wait a minute, I, this is a newer version of the same card. So that's what the text of the card is, right? No, no, that doesn't seem like the best strategy for a learn to play set. We're going to give you cards that in the real game don't actually have the same text as the ones we're giving you here, and there's no way you'd ever know that. Congratulations. I don't know. This is cur- current events right here on Strange Assembly. Current Woo! events. 
I'm complaining about how they printed cards 15 years ago. Booyah. <laughs> now, more than that now, right? Uh, yeah, shush. Uh, <laughs> old. <laughs> we, we, this game is old. We are even older. Gold edition was more than 15 years ago now. Really? Oh, yeah. Lord. Yeah. Yes, and all the stuff that we're talking about, like, this is like Clan War and then no later than Jade. Yeah. I don't think we've talked about anything that happened later than the end of Jade. <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, part of it is just the, uh, like, you know, you, you always love the stuff you first run into, mm-hmm. but, uh, there's, there's an awful lot more discussion and uh, remembrance a lot of times that I think, I think of that, that very earliest chunk of L5R. People don't as much sit around and be like, let's, oh my god, let me tell you what happened in Lotus Edition. It was and awesome. Do you, do you remember in Oni's Fury, that set, and a perfect cut? Who doesn't love a perfect cut? Well, those, those sets had some design slash development issues. Hey, remember the Spirit Wars? I remember. (laughs) Peppered Farm remembers. (laughs) Okay, but the crab, the crab. I think we have at least three more to hit. So there's one more, at least one more sacrifice card, which costs four. So Hita Tomonazu is a three. The Steadfast Witch Hunter is a four. Mm. So yeah, like lots of pricey folks here. Four military, two politics, action, Sacrifice a friendly character, choose a character, and ready that character. And so again, right, like your traditional CCG mind might be like, wow, sacrifice one of my creatures just to untap? That's not good. But yeah, you you sacrifice some yutz at home who's done to basically yeah. get an extra turn. Get Kasada back up. Get back out there, Kasada. Yeah, well, you get Kasada back out there. And I think the Steadfast Witch Hunter can just ready herself. Yeah. I don't see why not. What I'm not sure of is, could she sacrifice herself? I think so. Yeah, I would assume, but... Well, it just says sacrifice a character. I don't know why it couldn't be her. Yeah. She's a friendly character. When I read it, my initial thought is really the, like, man, I need more cheap things to sacrifice. (laughs) Yeah. And I know a lot of that is supposed to be, okay, I sacrifice things that have run out of fate, but still, still, I'd... I want some more cheapies in there. Kind of duh, right? But like, they are, they're going to be a tough nut to crack on defense. Yeah. No, they, yeah. Even on a politics defense, they're going to be hard to break. Their characters are, they favor military, but other than the vengeful berserker, you've got a lot of evens or they're off by one. I mean, the steadfast winchester is a 4-2, Casada's a 7-2. So, I mean, you really don't want to send Casada to a, no. a politics defense. Court, but court battle, no. Yeah, but they've usually got something. Yeah. Yeah, Casada's really unlikely to show up in a court battle because not only is he the most imbalanced we've seen so far, but because he's got the zero glory, mm. your opponent can't put you in the spot where, like, they go first, they attack politics, and choose fire so if you don't get your big guys in there they're just going to dishonor your clan champ and ruin them anyway because i'll yeah. be like whatevs yeah uh, 
I, I don't care. I'm going to smash your face in now. Yeah, here comes a Haruma ambusher. Because <laughs> the Haruma ambusher, just as good at politics as he is in military. Uh, yep. And also on their defense, they've got the biggest, their stronghold has the biggest defense bonus on it for when you have to get around to cracking that last province. Yeah, that's right, because the, the lion one boosted everybody, but it was only military on attack. I mean, the the stronghold, the plus province strength boost. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, I'm sorry, you, you, okay, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I was I was thinking you meant the action on the stronghold, but yes. Also, also the action, yes, but... It's a plus three instead of a plus two. I guess it, I guess it kind of has to give the ability gets, so the ability gives plus one military and plus one politics to every defending character at a conflict, or defending character you control. So if you aren't paying attention and activate it during a conflict where you're the attacker, it does not help you, but it also does not give the bonus to the other player. Because that would be funny. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oops. Yeah. I guess it kind of has to give both, because you need to be able to defend against both. It doesn't do you a lot of good to be, I'm the super defensive clan, if the crane can be like, no, no, you're the super defensive military clan. We're just going to bust your provinces with politics. Bye bye You're the super defensive smelly clan. <laughs> yes. Aromatic spritz. Negate target crab clan <laughs> character. I don't know. There's two more iconic sorts of things. We did see the way of the crab. Continuing along with sacrificing. Sacrifice one of your characters. Choose an opponent. That player must sacrifice a character. There's a lot of timing involved in that, because there's going to be a lot of times that that's not, that you could play that, that it's not going to be an exciting play. Like, my opponent has a bowed character with no fate on it. I'll be like, um, don't care, but... Yeah, but because you get to choose the timing of it, even though it's a symmetrical effect, you get the benefit of it. So yeah, I think that that's a pretty strong card. I'm not going to say it's a 3 of but I definitely think it's a strong card. I hope it's a three of it. I hope that the way of seem like a card you want to be, those are kind of iconic cards when they come out. You're going to want those to be zingy. So I think it's better for the game if they're strong cards at the beginning that you'd want to play three of. It's a very white effect in a magic color pie sort of way. (laughs) White's like, right? All like, I don't understand. I play cards that apply equally to both of us. The rules affect everyone. I don't see how you can complain that it's unfair. It's it's balance. I'm bringing balance. Yes, I'm just balancing. And yet, somehow, I always lose five creatures and you lose one. I I killed all of the creatures. All of them. Just because you had 37 creatures and I had two, I was fair. I killed all of them. Look, the rules are the rules, man. The rules apply to everyone in the same way. It's a facially neutral law of general applicability. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) Let me go back to the the stronghold, because I feel like there was something else noteworthy about the stronghold. Okay. The honor. Yeah. The lowest that we've seen so far. Yes, but still a 10. So the range so far is 10 to 12. Yes, 10, 11, 12. Yeah, so, I mean, we might have Scorp at 9, I guess. I guess they could really make a point to start them lower than that, but that starts to get problematic, I think. You know what would be hilarious is if there's a Scorpion stronghold? Not going to be in the base set, but, like, an expansion, 
that starts at 24 and says you cannot gain honor. So you just have lots and lots of room to lose it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't that be funny? Uh, that'd be... The lion might be unhappy when they played against that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all the better. Yeah, it's all those cards that are like, if you have more honor than your own... It reminds me of the, the Shadowlands stronghold that started with lots and lots of honor. Of course, that was in, you know, an alternate universe set, so. <laughs> what it was? No, was it's in... just, it, it was, it's just hilarious that that's a thing that we can <laughs> say. <laughs> There's a Shadowlands struggle where you start with lots of honor? No, you can just say that was an alternate universe set. It was! Yes. yes, and I'm amused that there was an alternate universe set. Yes. I'm actually, was that the only one? No. I guess it was, right? right? Was it? I guess the Madness set, what was the name of that? <laughs> coils? Was it just Coils of Madness? That was an effectively an alternate universe set because it turned out that, oh, those were like, alternate pot like some of them are true and some of them aren't some of them there are things that may yet come and they none of them ever did everybody got drunk and this was what happened <laughs> rewind i don't remember what the name of the precise name of the stronghold was and because i don't have oracle of the void i can't look it up it was in thousand years of darkness which was the alternate universe set which was the what if fu lang won at the second day of thunder thunder he fully possesses the hante emperor so he is, you know, the evil god and the em- emperor. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's a Shadowland stronghold that then starts with all the honor. Uh- <laughs> all because that bald dude couldn't kill somebody. I've actually forgotten now. Is that what the difference is? She won't kill Tagashi? Yeah. The difference is she does not reach into Tagashi, pull out the heart, and pull and read the black, open the last black scroll. So when. Totori and Hotori do their killing blow, it doesn't actually kill them. In classic L5R story, you know, for the, the you know slight recap, there's a, a series of things called the Black Scrolls, which were used in the past to sort of seal the essence of Fu Lang. Over the course of the clan war, the Black Scrolls are opened. Which was a very important duty, and we had to fulfill it. Well, I'm trying to it's- avoid that, because I, every... It's our story, and we're sticking to it. Well, yeah, I'm I'm trying to uh, avoid, you know, I'm I'm just going to wait and see what happens with the Phoenix, because I, yeah. I, I see Flame Wars already on the boards about... Yeah, I've seen this too. I'd be that too, I think, if I was a Phoenix player. Like, shut up about Phoenix and Maho. Like, we did yeah. it once. There was actually a reason for them, at least at the beginning. Then, mm-hmm. I mean, then Suke just went evil. As you do, you know. Yes, that's what does. Like there, there were five elemental masters. I mean, one of them was going to yeah, go. Statistically bonkers. speaking, <laughs> at least one of them is evil. That's just bad. Yes. Yeah, so, but the the twelfth and final black scroll. What I, mean, I guess this is kind of a classic fantasy thing, right? The twelfth and final black scroll would unleash the full power of Fulang or whatever, right? He would it would enable him to fully possess the Hante Emperor, and truly rule, you know, Ningendo. Except because it made him fully possess the Emperor, he now is killable. Yeah. And the 12th Black Scroll was physically inside Tagashi's chest. That's where he had hidden it. Because he ate it. 
So yet another reason why the the retcon of Tagashi to being a body hopping soul vampire made no sense whatsoever because <laughs> it has to be the same physical body. It's got a black scroll in it. It doesn't like this is like that's uh, where I'm going with he ate it is <laughs> just each time he body hops he eats it again. I <laughs> he reaches into his old body and rips it yeah, out. And... Yeah, he just goes Kali Ma rip out. Um, om nom nom. There we go. Good to go for another 10, 30 years until <laughs> the next Fulang. Oh, I hate you, Jay. <laughs> I deserve that. Oh, <laughs> oh, They're going to reveal the Phoenix fiction, and the Phoenix are just going to accuse the unicorn of having some sort of bloodline curse. And then all the Phoenix players will hate themselves, and that'll be it. That's what they're going to do to you, just for that. Yeah, that that actually sounds about right. The unicorn will just come curb stomp us, but the story team will be like, no, no, it's good, it's all good. We're not going to undo this, even though obviously everyone involved doesn't want it to happen. We're instead going to punish you for your temerity of talking back to our, against our ideas there were some obvious execution issues with that as part of the problem. It started out as one thing and then like it morphed to another thing, but it was kind of too late because the way that it first came out was just kind of dumb. And like, by the time they officially got to what the story was, it actually, you know, made sense and the Phoenix were right. And but I, I, I don't know. That was a whole thing at right. One of the winter courts. Yeah. Uh, you well, were that at was, that one, right? Right. That it was, was at that one. That was one of the big things was, you talk about the change of what it was. There was like a month of prep time before winter court that we were spending trying to figure out what we were going to do about this. We'd finally worked out a game plan with what we understood was going on. And then they dropped that fiction completely changing what we understood was going to work. And we had to scramble with the new understanding of, whoa, what, how does this work? What are we doing now? And one of the noteworthy things about that, I thought, was that they basically came into you, the Phoenix delegation, and made it explicit that you are right. Yes. This is, you are right. Anytime, if you meet with another clan and explain why there is, in fact, this curse this curse that's on the moto and it needs to be fixed or bad things are going to happen, you will convince them because you are right. They may or may not act on that, but they will know that you are right. See, the problem was And you guys still just wanted that. to give up. <laughs> well, the problem was they told us that, but they did not communicate that well to other people. So I remember, like, midway through Winter Court, we had a duel about it, after which the GMs were like, okay, guys, you've got to stop disagreeing with the Phoenix. The Phoenix are right. You can argue about the politics of them announcing it, but stop arguing that they're wrong. And I think part of that goes to the importance of first impressions. Which is why I hope we continue to see nothing dumb in any of the lead-off fantasy flights. Well, it's just, it's such a yeah. big deal. That, oh, yes. the way that that story got introduced, that plot line got introduced, the Phoenix players hated it, and that was that. Like, there was no amount of, like, making later fictions trying to clarify that could make people like it. It also really didn't help that we were starting to get previews of the next card set that involved art and and flavor text of, oh, by the way, the unicorn are just curb-stomping the phoenix left, right, and center, and the <laughs> phoenix are just 
taking it in the face repeatedly and not getting anywhere. <laughs> that really did not help any either. That doesn't help either. It no. was after Winter Court they started doing some fictions where, oh, we actually managed to defend something. <laughs> Going into it, it was, oh yeah, we just totally burned down three castles and killed everyone. It, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, theoretically, that should be the sort of storyline that can work. Like, the Phoenix have a completely possible good reason to be getting in another clan's face, and the other clan has a completely plausible reason for wanting to tell the Phoenix to shove off. It's it's It sh- should become what people say they want in a fiction, right? It's inter-clan yeah. conflict where both sides have a point. There's no, like, obviously you're just evil and you're mm-hmm. good, and yet one of the clans involved hated it. At that point, you could not assume that the player base was just going to automatically get full-throated into their clan side of a conflict just because it was their clan. Yeah. There are certain clans traditionally where you could do that more. Like, somebody insults the lion. The lion went to fight. The lion players will be like, crush them. doesn't matter how stupid it is that the lion are taking offense at whatever this nonsensical minor thing is. Who cares? They're going to charge yeah. on. But th- there are other player bases that have, you know, a different sort of bent to them. You'd have to have a conflict that fits in with the, the clan thing. But you got to... I think it is so important to launch a plot right that once somebody just dislikes something... No amount of rational explaining is going to make them really like it. Right. I mean, you might point out about how why maybe they were being unfair and disliking it so much, but they're still never really going to like it. Yeah, at most you'll get begrudging acceptance of what's going on. They're never going to get over to liking it. Yeah. Anyhow. Hmm. So I think the only crab guard we have announced so far is their custom province, Defend Mm -hmm. the Wall, for province strength and it triggers when you win a conflict at that province, and it lets you get the ring. Yes. This is probably better than I feel like it is, but remember my past discussion about provinces? I generally like cards that help me when I'm losing more than I like cards that help me when I'm already winning. So it's like, well... So if I'm already doing well enough to win the battle, then I also get the bonus? I don't know. On the other hand... I'm the crab. I just have to win a battle as the defender. What? That's I do that all the time. That's what my clan shtick is. If I can't exactly. win a battle as defender, I'm doomed anyway. Although, obviously, you are going to lose battles as the defender. There's something very wrong with the game if the crabs do not lose battles as the <laughs> defender. <laughs> yeah, eventually. No, yeah, this is very much a... Hey, the first time I flip this, you haven't committed much because you don't know what it is, so I can go all in, crush you, and get a ring off. So it's rewarding me for defending, and then it becomes the, hey, you're never coming here again. Don't try to scout my province, because yeah. uh, bad things will happen. I feel like one of the crab strategies is going to be, I'm going to make it so so tough to crack my provinces that I'm going to force you just super overcommit, and then I have the option of just going, oh, I'll let you have that, and I'll come back for my own. And this is very much in that theme of, oh, you didn't massively overcommit. 
well, I'm just going to come crush you and get get some benefit for for doing being defensive instead of offensive. Yeah, and I think there's a card that I don't think it's mentioned in here, but don't the crab have a is it a crab card? Maybe it's a neutral, but I think it was a crab card that's like if you win the battle by five or more, kill someone on the other side. I don't. I remember seeing that. I think it's neutral. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that can play into that. Like it does matter if you get just raffle stomped, <laughs> or at least it yes. can. Yeah. So again, I, I feel like this is this is another one of the cards of crab really forcing you to overcommit your attacks, or they will punish you. And I guess we'll see more. So we're we're recording this on the night of Thursday, July thirteenth, which means that by the time anyone hears this, you will have had the opportunity to watch a crab versus dragon battle because the FFG Facebook Live stream on Friday the fourteenth is going to be a crab is going to include a them playing a game of crab versus dragon. So you'll get to see all of these crab cards in action and possibly more since they right. uh, have not spoiled as many of the crab. I suspect yeah. that's one of the reasons people have been voting for crab. I'll admit I just voted for dragon. I... Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> I mean, well, I voted for crab the last time I had a choice to vote. Yeah. No, yeah. No. But I mean, know. honestly, crab dragon is the matchup I'm most interested in seeing. Crane Dragon would be my second choice. Yeah, I saw a number of people like, oh, I want to see Crane versus Dragon, because the Crane will be all controly against those super units. That usually goes bad for the yeah. super units. <laughs> what, what do the super <laughs> units do on that? Although, are the Crane that much controly, really? I think that's something of a holdover in how they're yeah. perceived, and just, like, politics and controly feeling more together. Not that they don't have any control anything, but I don't yeah, I don't feel like that's a specialty of theirs or anything. It's not like they're the defensive deck. They're a political deck. Yes. But they don't really have a bunch of defensive things. That's that's you guys, Phoenix and Crab, yeah, who exactly. are big on defense. I think the, Unicorn and Lion are big on offense. Yeah, the old game, Crane were super defensive. Here, I feel like Crane are offensive just in politics, and it's the Crab who are super defensive. Yeah. Yeah, the crab are super defensive, and the phoenix are just like, I can't attack at all, or something. Not in the face! Not in the face! You know, our classic battle cry. No, that's the that's the crane battle cry, Jay. That's the classic crane battle cry, but that's not how it is anymore, because there are political battles, too. Uh, right. So, do you have any other uh, thoughts on the crabs? That would be doing a disservice to the crabs. That's not how crabs work. This is one of those jokes I don't get, isn't it? I'm saying the crab are just smash. That's all the that's all the thought they give. It's a disservice to the crab to have thoughts it about is, the crab. It's a smash. Crab smash. Yeah. Casada smash is a a thing that will happen. Casada will smash you. Casada will just ignore whatever nonsense it is you're trying to do to him. I can duel him, right? He's only got two chi, so he should be easy to duel. <laughs> right? No. <laughs> Is that not how it works? No. And Kasada with the Tetsubo, although that's probably just overkill. I feel like that might be overkill, yes. Yeah, that's that's just being like, ah, eh, let's just bow the guy. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
You have been listening to Strange Assembly, your tabletop gaming podcast. You can check us out on the web at www.strangeassembly.com. You can also find us in the Google Play Music Store or in iTunes or the Apple Podcasts app. We always appreciate it if you leave us a rating or review on any of those services. It helps other people find the show. You can check us out on the usual social media. We are facebook.com slash strangeassembly and at strangeassembly on Twitter. I always like to hear your feedback, comments, critiques, and such. So if you'd like, you can email me. I'm chris at strangeassembly.com. But until we meet again, I am Chris Stevenson for J. Earl, and this is Strange Assembly. Never stop gaming. Nizumi confirmed! Squeak! Wow, yeah, why didn't you bring that up earlier? Because I totally spaced on it. That we could have had a whole thing about that. Because we didn't have enough things, tangents in that podcast. I know, now, instead, people are going to hear us talking about this at the end, and only if they actually listen past my little spiel at the end, which... Why would you? I say the same thing every time, right? Yes. I am honestly surprised both the, that and the opener. You have not just, you know, made audio files of those and you just tag them, tack them on. <laughs> rather, rather than repeating it all over and over again. Well, not... Automation costs people jobs, Jay. <laughs> I wouldn't... We're working, we're working for full employment here at that strange assembly. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll get right on that. Does, does that mean I can have an intern? Um, interns aren't paid, right? Yes. Then yes. Woo! Intern! <laughs>